Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord establishes his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless you, O his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of God. Thanks, Sam. Man, I almost feel like we could just close the service right now. It's been so beautiful this morning, just worshipping with you all. And that psalm just speaks for itself. But we're not going to do that. If you don't know me, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Ben, I'm the community pastor here and um, I'm really excited to share what God has been teaching me through his word this week. And um, if I'm completely transparent with you, Michelle and I have been going through a season the past month or two where it just feels like one thing after another is being difficult or going wrong. And so, and I kind of just got the sense, I don't know about you, but I've kind of got the sense there's a few people here this morning that feel the same way, that feels like... Life can be a bit difficult sometimes, or it can be a bit darker than you thought it would be, or things might just not go the way that you were expecting and it can get you down. But this week I've been so encouraged as I've pressed into Psalm 103 and made it my own, because Psalm 103 is about a man who is grateful to God for all of his benefits, despite his circumstances. Now to help us get into the text, I want us to think of a time when we've been particularly grateful. Has there ever been a time in your life where you could have just gotten on your knees and just worshipped God for his goodness? Have you got a memory like that? I remember a time when I experienced this profoundly. Michelle and I had a particularly short engagement. When we got engaged, we set the uh, wedding date four months after we got engaged. Ladies, four months after we got engaged. All right, And not only that, 
we uh, had accepted her call to go to London as a paramedic in six months' time. So in the four months, we were taking extra jobs, finding ex- extra work to earn the money that we needed. We were planning a wedding. We were planning a whole new life in London. It was just crazy. And on that day, February 27th, 2016, I was standing on this platform and uh, as I watched my wife walk down the aisle, I just burst into tears of joy. That's me up there. <laughs> I know I'm so macho and hardened in my exterior, I thought I might have to put a photo up to make it more believable. Um, but I was just joyful. I was grateful. I was thankful that God had brought us to that moment. And I felt as if we were in the very centre of God's will for us. Have you ever had a time like that? In Psalm 103, we see that David is particularly grateful for something. The psalm begins with him exploding with praise. He's on his knees in adoration and he is prodding himself, pushing himself to praise God with all of his being. And he works himself into such a frenzy of awe and gratitude and joy that by the end of the psalm he is calling upon the angels and all of the cosmos to worship God. And verses 2 to 5 explain why. David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David is simply overwhelmed by the goodness and the generosity of God in his life. God is the one who has forgiven his iniquity, his his sin, his wrongdoing. God is the one who has healed his diseases. God is the one who has redeemed his life from the lowest of pits. God is the one who poured out love and mercy and goodness upon David to the point where David feels as youthful as the eagle. Now, Michelle and I were at the beach last weekend and uh, we saw a sea eagle. And it's the, the wingspan of it was like at least a metre, maybe two metres. It was huge. And uh, it just looks so confident and so strong and so, yeah, vi- like vitality and strength. Nothing seemed too difficult for it. And David says that God has poured out so much goodness in his life that he feels renewed like the eagle. Now this isn't coming from a guy whose biggest difficulty was the traffic on a Monday morning. This is coming from a guy who had experienced difficulty. This is coming from a man who had to leave his wife behind because evil men were trying to kill him. This is coming from a man who experienced the death of a newly born child, he knew difficulty and pain. And yet David says that the generosity and kindness of God is so overwhelming, so good, that it restores his youthfulness, that it makes him strong and fills him with life and vitality like the eagle. No wonder he is praising God. Now, this might be the farthest thing from your reality right now. Gratitude might seem unattainable. You might have walked in here feeling defeated and miserable. Maybe your body is breaking down and God hasn't healed. 
Maybe your marriage is breaking down and you're desperately trying to hold everything together. Maybe it just feels like one thing after another is going wrong and you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, this testimony from David is a strong testimony and it shows us that God really does pour out his goodness in people's lives. Think about it. If you're in Christ and you're sick, your body will be healed. Because if it isn't healed in this life, you'll be given a resurrection body in the next. That's your reality. Your marriage can be restored. God doesn't promise that it will be, but it does promise to work in you if you surrender yourself to him. And perhaps that is exactly what your marriage needs. Life will get better. If life feels depressing right now, the Bible assures us that it will get qualitatively better. Because if you are in Christ, your destination is the new heaven and new earth, a renewed creation, a beautiful place where there is no sin, no disease, no pain. That's where we're heading in Christ. The goodness of God is far more real than our worst realities. God can renew your strength like the eagle. David went through untold difficulty and yet here we are listening to him worship God on his knees with a full and grateful heart. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I just want to say that this kind of relationship is available for you as well. The good news of Christianity is that Jesus made a way for us to have relationship with our creator again. That through Jesus you can discover freedom and life and joy and forgiveness. I remember when I first surrendered my life to Jesus in 2009 and I just felt joyful. I I experienced the forgiveness of God and I realized I didn't have to strive anymore. I just felt free. I felt at peace. And I just couldn't believe how I had lived life before. I just was chasing after the next thing, chasing after the next pleasure. Just, I just felt restless. Didn't feel at peace. Just busy trying to find something to fill me up. Now, I'm not perfect. I still stand here today as a broken man. But I know that in Christ I've found far more peace, far more joy, far more wholeness than I ever had before. And God is holding out the invitation to you today. If you want to know and accept Jesus, you just need to surrender your life to him. The invitation is yours today as well. Now David not only reflects on the way God has worked in his own life, he also reflects on the way God has worked in the lives of the people of God over history. He says in verses 6 to 7, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So David strengthens his belief in the goodness of God by recalling God's mighty works of the past. So even if life is so dark right now that you can't locate a single memory of God's goodness, what you can do is open up your Bibles and see the goodness of God shining through its pages. Because in verses 6 to 7, David sings about a time that is recorded for us in the book of Exodus, in our Bibles. The people of Israel had lived in slavery and oppression for 400 years. But God looked at them with compassion. He performed mighty wonders and deeds 
and miracles through Moses. He brought them out of the house of slavery and he delivered the people of Israel. And David took encouragement from the story because this isn't just a nice story. This is a story about a real God working in real space and time with real people, broken people like you and me. Doesn't that encourage you? Emma's story was also so encouraging this morning, just being able to hear her real story about how God has worked in her life. When we recount the deeds of the past, when we look at what God has done, when we share stories and remember God's works, it creates faith and gratitude in the present. And so this is our first take-home for today. How do we, you and I, cultivate gratefulness in our lives? Well, we can remind ourselves of the goodness of God because remembering God's works in the past creates faith and gratitude in the present. So what can we do? Well, the first thing we can do is what David did. We can open up our Bibles and we can read about the goodness of a real God towards real people. I don't know what it might look like for you. I know of a brother in this church who, the way he reads the Bible is he listens to it because he doesn't like reading. So he listens to it as he's falling asleep at night. Maybe for you, it's you just need to go out and buy a Bible or download the Bible on, on, your, on your phone, on your smartphone for free. You can sign up to plans that can help you get into it and read it. If you've, if you've never heard of the Bible Project, they're a fantastic group uh, who put on videos on YouTube. And uh, you can go and check out a video on the book that you're going to read. And it's like animated, super engaging. So if you ever go on to read a book and you kind of struggle to put everything together, jump onto YouTube, check out the Bible Project, watch the video for that book, and then go and read. It's a fantastic resource. But that's one of the first things that we can do to cultivate gratefulness in our lives is to implement Bible reading habits. The second thing we can do is journal. Now, I have to admit that keeping a diary has never been my strong point, but I think it is important. It can cost time and energy, but keeping a diary, journaling, can help us to remember and believe in the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but whenever I've hit a dark patch or hit a difficulty in my life, it seems like it's twice as difficult, if not more, to remember God's goodness in the past. I don't know what it is. When things are going well, I can easily recount all the deeds of God in my life. But when things aren't going well, it just seems foggy and and unaccessible. But keeping a diary, journaling can help us to remember all that God has done in our lives. I took out my um, journal this week. I have a a bit of a poor excuse for a journal, but I write things down in my phone and my notes um, when God does things or I feel like he's speaking something to me or someone comes and gives me an encouraging word. And uh, it was so wonderful just reading through um, the encouragement that I've been given by others. And also I was reading through times when I was in London and uh, me and Michonne were thinking about coming back to BPCC and we just felt like God was leading us and we felt like he was saying, this is from him and this is what he wants to do. And uh, it was just so it encouraged me to see that, wow, like where God has brought us and here today we're part of BPCC now and this just feels like we've always been here. It's, it's family, it's home. But re- keeping a journal can help us to remember God's works in the past in order to create faith and gratitude in the present. Maybe that's something that you can do. There are other suggestions as well. Just quickly list them. You can spend time in creation and quietly worship God for his beauty. You can listen to Christ-centered podcasts. You can start your prayers with thanksgiving rather than requests. 
You can spend time at the dinner table each week and each person shares one thing that they are thankful for. Whatever it might be, we must build rhythms into our lives that keep our hearts and minds focused on Jesus, lest we forget his benefits and become dull and joyless. Remembering God's works in the past creates faith and gratitude in the present. And the reason this creates faith and gratitude is because it reminds us of how amazing God is. That's why after singing about God's works, David moves to sing about God's character. In verses 8 to 14 he says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Isn't our God amazing? He is so good to people like you and me. Just think about how insignificant we are compared to him. How much bigger, how much he transcends us. David says that we are like dust. Well, not just that we are like dust, he says that we are dust. And you can go and read Genesis 2 and you can see that we were created from dust. But let's think about dust for a moment. How many hours a day do you give to thinking about dust? On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how important is dust in your life? Well, if you don't have hay fever like me, you're probably going to say zero. It's not important. It, it doesn't matter at all to me. Dust is irrelevant. Well, compared to God, we are as insignificant as dust. We are so feeble and fragile that God could blow us away with a breath. And yet this God chooses to know us, love us, care for us. He's like a loving father who shows compassion to his children. He cares for you and for me. And his love and care outlast even our lives on this earth. You see, we come and go like a flower of the field, Psalm 103 says. But the mercy, the faithfulness, the steadfast love of God are from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. His goodness lasts forever. Our lives are just a blip on the radar. Now this all sounds wonderful, but if you're anything like me, you notice the conditions attached to those verses. Yes, God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, but only upon those who fear him, those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Well, this is where the good news of Christianity comes in. Why? Because Jesus came and fulfilled everything that we should have been. You see, the people of Israel, they had a covenant with God, this agreement that stipulated how they would behave and, and if they broke it then it was broken 
But Jesus came as the true Israel. He perfectly kept God's covenant as our representative. He never forgot one of God's commandments. And through his death, he instigated a new exodus for God's people. So David sung about the exodus in Psalm 103. And Jesus came and brought a new exodus, a new deliverance. This is why in Luke 9 verse 31, when Jesus was transfigured and Moses and Elijah appeared, it says that they spoke to Jesus of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now that word departure is the Greek word exodus. And this is the only time it occurs in the four Gospels. Well, what was it that Jesus was going to accomplish at Jerusalem? What was this exodus? Was he going to perform miracles and judge the Romans until they let God's people go? Like with Egypt? Well, this time he was going to do it differently because this time he was going to deal with our true enemies. This time God delivered us from sin inside of us and Satan outside of us. And Jesus brought about a second and greater exodus through his death. He died in our place as a perfect sacrifice that our sins could be covered so that we could be counted as faithful and righteous in God's eyes. And by this, he took away Satan's power to accuse us. And he even defeated death by rising from the grave. And, and, and he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of God and now rules over the world until he comes back again. David's psalm ultimately points us to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has secured every benefit that we enjoy. We don't need to worry if we're the ones who keep his commandments perfectly. We don't need to stress and strain and strive to make sure that we are good enough for God. Because Jesus was good enough. And Jesus is the one who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our lives from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies us with good until our renewal is restored like the eagle's. Jesus can fulfill the conditions that we should have met to give us benefits that we never earned. Jesus fulfilled the conditions that we should have met to give us benefits that we never earned. And David shows us how we should respond to such outrageous benefits. He shows us how grateful people respond to the overwhelming goodness of God. Let's look at the final verses of David's song, verses 20 to 22. And this is what he sings out. He says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You see, David's heart is so inflamed with gratitude that he finds himself urging the entire cosmos to bless the Lord. He's commanding angels, He's commanding the very armies of God themselves to bless the Lord. You see, people who have experienced God's goodness share God's goodness. People who have experienced God's goodness share God's goodness. And this is our second take-home for today, sharing God's goodness with others. Once we believe the good news of Jesus deeply, we can't keep it to ourselves. People who have experienced something good naturally share it with others. I mean, that's just normal. When we find a new app or something that works for us or, I don't know, a great mower or something like that. I don't have to worry about that because in my townhouse the body corporate mows for me, which is amazing. But um, 
Whether you find something good, you usually tell someone else about it, right? People who experience good share the good. People who have experienced God's goodness should share God's goodness. So as we implement the first take-home in our lives, cultivating gratefulness, we should naturally find ourselves applying the second take-home. That is, we should find ourselves wanting to share God's goodness with others. And that is what we are all about as a church. We exist to make disciples, to reach out, to build relationships with others, and to invite others to experience the goodness of God in Jesus. So let me be crystal clear. If you call this church your home, if you're a member here at BPCC, this isn't an optional take-home from the message. This isn't something that you just take or leave. This is your mission. This is our mission. Together, we're all about making disciples. We believe God has called us to this. And so I want to challenge you to do something over these next weeks and years. Will you commit to making one, two or three meaningful friendships with people outside of Christ? Now some of you may already have that, maybe, but maybe many of you don't. But would you commit to making one, two or three meaning friendships, meaningful friendships with people who don't go to church, who don't know about Jesus and praying for them and loving them and seeking to share the gospel with them, sharing Jesus with them? This is how outreach happens. It begins with the love of God for that person, serving them, showing that you care for them, whether they ever become a Christian or not. And then we ask God to work. Our part is to pray for them, let them into our lives, and look for that opportunity that God is going to give us to share Jesus with them. Imagine how many people might come to know the goodness of God if everyone here resolved to do just that. We usually have about 350, 400 people here on a Sunday. Imagine we had another 400 people sitting with us next year because they'd experienced the goodness of God in their lives by building meaningful friendships and sharing God's goodness with them. Wouldn't that be exciting? Think back to Emma Blenko's story. It was an invitation from Belinda to church that triggered God's work in Emma's life. God used Belinda's faithful obedience to draw Emma to himself. So the question is, will you give God your obedience. To help you take this step, we've done a couple of things this week. Um, The first thing is, we've got these fridge magnets available. You might have seen these years ago. They're on the table over there if you want to grab one after the service. But on these fridge magnets, you can write one, two or three people who you want to build meaningful friendships with and you want to pray for and make an effort with. And you can stick that on your fridge and remind you to pray or remind you to, to build friendships with those people. So they're going to be available for you to grab after the service over there. We've got a limited number available, so if they're all taken, we'll, we'll, we'll make some more and we'll have them available next week. But that's the first thing we can do to, to help us apply this message. The second thing is, um, I've written a little blog called Sharing God's Goodness. Um, it's in the bulletin. And it's just, uh, just a real, just a starter to help us to think about how do we share our story with others. Because some people don't... They get tongue-tied and they don't necessarily know what they need to share or how to share the gospel. One of the most organic, natural ways for us to do that is by sharing our own story. And as we share our own story, we share gospel truth in it. So I've made an attempt um, at, at writing a bit about that and I've made an attempt at sharing my own story to give you an example. Um, so grab that and that can be a helpful way to just get you thinking about how do I share 
the gospel with someone else through my own life, through my own story. Those are two things that we can do to help us share God's goodness with others because people who have experienced God's goodness share God's goodness. And when we meditate on all that God has done for us in Jesus, it fills us with gratitude and joy. And it leads us to worship God, to bless him and to tell others about him. Psalm 103 should fill our hearts with gratitude and fill our mouths with praise. So we're going to do just that in a moment. We're going to sing a song together that is based on Psalm 103, straight after the sermon. And the song is called 10,000 Reasons. It's a song that we regularly sing together. But this morning, I want us to sing it with fresh meaning. I want us to hear it with fresh ears. So I'm going to close by reading some of the lyrics to you. And uh, may the Holy Spirit just give you fresh ears to hear these lyrics this morning. Hear some of the lyrics. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. 10,000 years and then forevermore, Jesus, I will worship your holy name. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here among us. Thank you for your work in us, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just ask that you would be cultivating gratefulness in our hearts as we pray right now. Lord, would you remind us of all of the benefits that you have given us in Jesus? Forgiveness, healing of broken hearts, healing of disease, redeeming our lives from the pit of sin, Lord, renewing our youth like the eagles. Jesus, we just thank you for your work in our lives. And we want to bless your name and we want to ask others to bless your name too. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Fill us up. Send us out, Lord. We want to build friendships with others because we want to share you with others, Lord, in a broken world. You are the news that others need. You are the solution to our problems. Lord, give us boldness, give us grace, give us passion for you. Help us to cultivate gratefulness and share your goodness with others. And Lord, we ask that you would just set our eyes on you now and that you would work work afresh in our hearts as we sing out to you, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Stand together.